Welcome to Tech and Tequila, where we discover our guests' journey in tech while they shake their signature cocktail for us. This episode is the continuation of a discussion we had with Fred, a New York account executive, around an old-fashioned mezcal. This is where you will learn, against all cliches, that you can be a successful salesperson in tech and be an introvert at heart. And that kindness does definitely pay off. We work in an industry that didn't exist when our parents started working, and our careers definitely don't look like theirs. Fred mentioned that his father influenced his academic orientation, and I was wondering if he could still rely on him further down in his career. No, I still talk to my dad about it, you know, here and there, especially like navigating as you gain more experience and you want to move around within the organization or, you know, if you're considering leaving, because I, I made the the error mistake early on in my career. Um, I wanted to try to start my own business and mm-hmm. I decided to, to quit the job without having a, like backup. a backup Mm-mm. or like a really well-designed plan. It was just more of a situation like, yeah, like let's do this with a group of people and I realized the group of people, they still stayed in their jobs, but they needed one person to like, mm. to like really spearhead and like really take it full time. And I was that person. And to start, it was, yeah, it was fun. It was good. But then it was like, all right, if no revenue's coming in, well, then, you know, you're cutting into your savings and things like that. So yeah. it was really a learning experience until like, hey, maybe not do that <laughs> like right away and have a, a true backup. But or doing something you really believe in, you know? Mm-mm. And I, I think I was more half, half-assed half a little bit in Mm-mm. it. But I was just like, yeah, I don't really feel like working right now. So <laughs> use it as kind of an excuse. But he told me, like, yeah, next time, you know, if you decide you want to leave somewhere, don't leave without a plan um, or without a job. Yeah, you were, of the group, you were the one who actually took the risk. Yeah, I took the biggest risk, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But it, I also learned from that. So yeah. you learn from everything. Would you consider doing entrepreneurship? sometime in your life later on yeah definitely i think in sales you kind of are your own entrepreneur in your own way because you make what you put in right if you don't put in the work or close deals you don't make money or commissions right Mm -hmm. so yeah the idea is definitely there um just got to get the right plan and idea which i think is coming to fruition soon and yeah certainly i want to hear about that (laughs) if you can talk about it Uh, it's not fully fledged out yet, but you know, once it is, uh, okay. Next episode, next episode, uh, we'll record the, with follow, you. the follow up. <laughs> I, I would love that. I, yeah. I would love to have a follow up. Yeah, it does smell amazing. Thank you. So, we'll see how these all turned out. Uh, cheers. Cheers. When you quit your job to launch the company um, did you have a contingency of worst case if that doesn't work out I'm going to co- come back to my previous job or a similar job mm-hmm. um, and were you concerned about that gap you know in your resume like do, right. do, do you think it's a good gap uh, did you expect employers to think it's a good gap yeah it's funny enough it, it I'll get to it but it kind of played into my favor regardless mm-hmm. um So what I did actually is like I I moved from Montreal down to Florida um, Mm -hmm. to live with my uncle to save money. Mm -hmm. So I was actually not having to pay rent and I was living with my uncle and his family. So I got to save money. So I wasn't too concerned about, all right, if this fails, because I was still young, you know, so I was like, if this fails, it's okay. How Um, old were you? um, I think I was like 24 or so. Okay. 
hard to remember. It's crazy. So long ago. So long ago. For okay. those who can't see it, uh, Fred is actually eight years old. Uh, it's a pleasure to have his very lengthy career being dissected here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you go to Florida and you don't have to pay rent, which is nice. Yeah, it was quite nice. Um, and also the lifestyle, I could work out all the time, mm. and, you know, spend time with my little cousins. It was, a, it was a, definitely a good time in my life, but um, can't last forever. So once that didn't work out, I was like, all right, well, I do need to um, figure it out. That gap actually, employers actually like hearing about things mm -hmm. like that, especially in sales, because um, it shows you have grit, you take risks, and you're willing to do what it takes to succeed, so to speak. And you know, people like to hear failing stories, and like not in that way that you failed, but that you learned from it. Yeah, right? for sure. Um, so funny enough, before I moved to New York, um, I was interviewing for SDR roles, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and I would pretend I was already living in New York, so I would either drive down to New York from Montreal or fly down, book Airbnb, stay at a friend's couch, and it was just like, it was very like stressful. Because imagine you, you're doing these trips and then you're hearing no. Yeah. Um, and you a paid lot of, for the trip, you spent a lot of money. Exactly. Um, you're stressing as you're driving, like, oh, like what's gonna happen, what am I? And it's funny enough, like a lot of reasons I heard no was because employers thought I'd get bored. Um, oh. being an SDR like not wanting to be in that position for too long because obviously mm -hmm. I'm ambitious I don't want to stay in that position for too long I want to be a closer I want to be an AE and, mm -hmm. and sort of thing so um, I almost had to dial back the entrepreneurship side a little bit because <laughs> for whatever reason I, I feel like in the SDR position sometimes they want to keep you there in yeah. the box like hey you're just there to book meetings book deals without I guess a path out so to speak so um I had to dial it back a bit, but when I really got a job was when I just fully moved to New York, and then mm -hmm. I got a job within a month um, and hit the ground running from there. Yeah. Back to more job-like, tactical, nitty-gritty. As an AE, you're mm -hmm. not working alone. You're in a network with other jobs, teams, etc. Mm -hmm. What are the people that you want to build good relationships with in order to do your job well? Um, people like you, you know, product, <laughs> product managers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because it's funny, like, there's processes, right, to get information. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, of course, you have to... In our case, we have to use Trello, where we have to <laughs> build a card. You have to do all these things. And sometimes you want answers quicker. Yeah. Um, so I would say with sales engineers, PMs, mm. um, in order to get questions quicker, if you want quicker access, you should be nice to those people. Absolutely. You know, be polite with them, work <laughs> well with them. That way, if I do need something, I could just simply quickly G-chat uh, you mm -hmm. or text you and say, hey, can we do this feature? Or when's this feature coming out? Or, mm -hmm. you know, what are the cases? And... Typically, you build good relationships with, with them. They will get you those answers um, a lot quicker than if you aren't nice to them. And you Absolutely. have to go through the process. You know, you can wait a lot longer. Um, so that's why I enjoy working with those those folks um, and those teams because I understand the job isn't easy. Um, both jobs aren't easy. And yeah. the best way to fix that is to work together. Absolutely. And I would say from having been on the other side of Fred's questions at the PM, what he does well is not only is he like, you know, nice and polite and uh, a, a, an actual human being with you. The thing is, like, you know how to pick your battles. Like, if you pinged me every day 
at some point I would have told you, hey, you know, there's a Trello out there. That's yeah. what you're supposed to do. <laughs> but doing it when it really matters every, I think, was it like one month or something like yeah, that? Something like, like sure, that, yeah. of course, like with pleasure and... Uh, we kind of do pick our favorites uh, in that way too. Not everybody had that access. You know, I think it's a great advice to pass on. Like, be in the good books of your sales engineers for sure, mm-hmm. of your PMs as much as you can as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. And marketing too, if you want. If you want to add that. If, if you want. You, <laughs> no, we love marketing. I'm just kidding. But yeah. Yay! They yeah. build, build yeah. great decks. You mentioned that the strategy is a bit different when there's more cooks uh, in the room mm-hmm. and you have more experience now than back when you started. You mentioned you have repeatable solutions now that you can apply. Right. So how do you strategize for a deal and how maybe did your strategy mature over the years that you've been uh, doing this job? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like probably when I started, I would have just tried to appease to one person mm-hmm. at the company and I would have had happy years and said, yeah, I, this person sold. I'm good. Like this, mm-hmm. I'm going to win this deal. But through a lot of coaching <laughs> and trial and error and failure, you learn that one person doesn't necessarily hold all the strings or the power. So you really have to make sure you get everyone involved mm-hmm. and understanding everyone that's involved in the process what they care about mm-hmm. uh, from the champion to the different stakeholders uh, to the executive team what they care about and you have to make sure you're peace to all of that and make sure you have a good understanding of what their pain points are and what they want solved and once you align on that and you're not going to get it all the time because sometimes there's gatekeepers sometimes things happen you know that yeah. stop you from getting yeah. all that information but um, I wasn't always curious enough. I was happy with just the surface level stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and through, again, feedback, I got more curious. So ask more questions. Really huge on discovery of understanding the whole landscape. Mm-hmm. And then building out from there and prioritizing who you need to talk with, who needs to be involved at every step. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you have a clear, really clear next steps as to where you need to go to win this deal. Or there's no line to winning the deal and you could close it out early. I think something, like sometimes we think every deal is winnable, but it's just not the case. Mm -hmm. Um, So having an understanding of what is and what isn't will help Mm. prioritize time. And luckily I'm in a position now where, you know, we get meetings set for us, so I'm not hunting as much. Mm -mm. Um, So we get to qualify relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But prior, it was like when you're hunting yourself, it's like every deal matters, every deal counts. But at the same time, it's like mentally it's a lot you know having to do all of it and if you focus in your time on things that aren't right when you're generating or opportunities that aren't going anywhere well then you waste time and you Mm -hmm. lose brain power from doing that and you might not put as much energy towards a deal that is actually has legs and is going somewhere it's really about understanding the overall process and especially in whatever product you're selling of can you actually provide a solution to these Mm -hmm. people and can do they actually buy what you're selling yeah, that's really interesting. And I, at some point you described, you get to understand what everybody needs. And I feel like we're doing the same job. Me as a former product manager, mm-hmm. if you had to say the one thing that PMs are supposed to do is understanding what people need. Yeah. And so we're doing the same job. Right. Uh, you're selling the stuff and I'm trying to improve the stuff so that, uh, so that you can sell it. But I, I feel like oh, uh, actually, we went to the same school. Yeah. Uh, we just di- I just didn't know it. You know, that's, uh, that's really interesting. Right. 
and you do a job that is a people's job. Maybe I'm doing the introvert's version and you're doing the extrovert's version of the thing. Do you feel like you are always a people with an affinity with people? Are you even a people person, do you feel? Um, I think I'm a tradi- I'm like an introvert by nature. Okay. Um, but I get along with people really well. <laughs> you bluff really well, okay. <laughs> uh, I would say. I just find a way to build trust even in deals I lose. Like, I don't know, it's something that's hard to explain, but I think just be a good person mm-hmm. um, and things will follow. So that's what I try to do and live by. Um, and it has helped me so far. Sometimes I'm too nice <laughs> when I hear. And being a good person and building trust, that helps get answers and helps success in a way, so Mm-mm. to speak. Definitely. And I feel like... So we've worked at the same company and I've read like the reports of deals we won and deals we didn't. Yeah. I feel like I've read, okay, the deal wasn't made, but the client quoted like, hey, we've had a wonderful relationship with Fred. This wasn't made, meant to be, but it's still happening. And I guess it matters more than we think in the sense that it builds up on the company's reputation. Mm-hmm. They're not going to shit on your product uh, if they're going to be interviewing with other people. Like it's just okay, they're good people, it just like didn't match the need, it just didn't match uh, the budget or whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think it does matter. Exactly, and then I help you out, because then they'll do an interview. Yeah. Like, oh, what do we need to improve? What do we need to build on? Exactly. So that's, yeah, that's the idea there. And talking about helping people out, what's the one thing you'd want from your manager? Be a good person. (laughs) Be a good person, but also like just like care about the people you work with. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously, your manager isn't always going to be your best friend, but I think just have empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Better word is empathy. Be understanding. Makes sense. Do you feel like if you had an amazing boss and they changed company, would you follow them? Would you consider? If it was the right like product or company, yeah, I definitely would um, Mm -hmm. for sure. Because again, like you want to work with people that trust you and believe yeah. in you. Um, so, yes. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Well, right now, of course, we can't move a lot because tech is not doing so well. Do you feel personally impacted by that? Um, yeah. Uh, everyone's on LinkedIn, right? So mm-hmm. seeing counterparts or peers in similar roles getting laid off um, yeah. is never easy to see. And it's it's uh, yeah it's concerning like it's always con- a concern when you see that across tech, mm-hmm. um, work in tech obviously. So in a world you you are very thankful um, that you have a position and yeah. you know the grass isn't always greener. You could be paying. I still imagine you like oh I want to leave. You go somewhere and then round of layoffs. You're first mm-hmm. one in, first one out. Yeah. Um, so you know there's there's a lot of risk in that, and I think it's. It's challenging right now understanding the market, you know, CFOs and whatnot are much more stringent on their budgets as to what's a nice to have and what's a must have, mm-hmm. even from a software standpoint. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of that in the space right now, a lot of less less uh, multi-year agreements, more one-year agreements, things like that. But Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's the same with people too, right, where jobs are getting cut if Mm-mm. they feel like it's not, you know. Have you, do you know personally people who have been impacted by some of the mass layout, one of the hundred thousand uh, people to go? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do know <laughs> a few and it's it's not easy and it's, you know, it's, it's nice if the company that they work at provide like a good amount of severance. 
thankfully, I think some of the larger tech companies were able to give like six months, three months, two months. But if it's just like two weeks, well, then it's like, well, all right, what am I supposed to do yeah. if I don't have savings, yeah. you know, so to speak? So I think the ones that did it right and they had to do it, like you give a good amount of severance to give people time to find a new position, mm-hmm. but it's still not easy. You know, yeah. you could have worked years of your life there and then just you get an email, you wake up and you're like, hey, I'm no longer working here. It's yeah. like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. that's... And then rent arrives. Yeah. Especially if you live in a, like a in New York, mm-hmm. you know, or Stanford, any kind of expensive city, any city actually really, let's be real. But I feel like it hits, it hits a lot, you know, being in a big city. For sure. For the record, we are not laughing because we are cruel people. We are laughing because our beloved recordist Kennedy here raised his hand on 422. Yeah. Just, we don't laugh at people who've been let off in We don't laugh at their pain. We're laughing no. with them to help. <laughs> exactly. I've definitely learned a lot about what it takes to be a great sales rep, a great mentor. To conclude our discussion now, I wanted to take a look at what Fred expects for the future. So you said maybe the next step for you is gearing towards a more management position, uh, even if you might need a bit more time to perfect mm-hmm. your skills at it. On top of that, and maybe not even career-wise, do you have some big projects that you're excited about? Um, yeah. <laughs> I do. Um, you don't have to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, no, it's just like it's just more like life goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of times we get stuck in the the job, the job, mm-hmm. the job. But I think there's more to life than that. Mm-hmm. Especially in American culture, it's really very centric to always be working. And working for a French company actually helps kind of bring light to like you should probably be enjoying life a lot more. Uh, no offense to the you know French folks, I love. No, I, I, I take it with pride. Are you <laughs> <Yeah>. kidding? <laughs> no, I, I see the way you guys enjoy life over there. You know the vacation time and yeah. this time off. You it leads to a much happier lifestyle, mm-hmm. I would say, than always having to grind yourself into the grind. And mm-hmm. you know, in talking to friends about this, even you know other founders I know, um, they've also started to take time because you realize like, now. I think we, we need to think about quality of life mm-hmm. and like kind of where you're at. Like I'm not the same place I was five years ago, for example. Mm-hmm. But quality of life is important to me. So, you know, making sure, yeah, of course you're in a position where you're, you're doing fine and you're doing good, but um, work isn't the all end all be all. Um, there's other things you could be doing while still doing that too. Yeah, what can one do to improve their quality of life? Is it about the hours? Is it about the holidays? Is it about... A different work environment. Yeah, I mean, I think work environment it starts when you're you're working in an environment that encourages you to take time off, mm-hmm. um, encourages you to unwind or separate work from mm-hmm. your life, and they actually care mm-hmm. about what's going on in your life. Um, yeah. I think that's important. And of course, you have to do the job, right? You, you, you yeah, have, you can't not. Do you it. have to check the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you have to check the boxes and make sure you're doing every, you know, doing things right. But I think. In a place where you're set up to do mm-hmm. that, set up for success, mm-hmm. it kind of makes things a lot more pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could take the vacation time, especially working remote too. I think that that's what's nice because you could actually travel and work remote at the same time, which just 
brings I think more energy to work yeah um, like working I worked from Colombia last year for a little bit um, just because it's within the same time zone and I just need a Wi-Fi connection <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and um, and you get to change your atmosphere a little bit and it just adds the energy yeah and more I guess enthusiasm and doing what you do because mm-hmm. it could reap to more benefits so of course do the job well but then you get the benefits of more life yeah, yeah. and so it is something like what you did in Colombia is that something that you plan on doing again in the future was it a successful experience for you? yeah definitely I realized like as long as you have a Wi-Fi connection we get remote stipends like I could go work from like WeWorks and stuff like that mm-hmm. like it's yeah it's quite nice being able to see more places in the world rather than just being stuck in your office and that's it for you know? sure And that concludes our discussion with Fred. I really enjoyed getting to see the sales role under his lenses. A good rep maps and understands exactly who needs what in their prospect organizations and takes time to empathize with the needs. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. Stay tuned for more guests coming from different backgrounds. Bye.